I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined for the first time, second time? One of the uh, first second, I think. One of the first times. He's the Kobe Beef on Twitter. What you got for me, Doyle? Uh, not much. Just hanging out, watching uh, you know, that Mavs game earlier tonight. It was uh, quite a win. Gotta love a drunk Mavs game. <laughs> You gotta love it, man. So yes, today we will be getting to the Mavericks 122 to 84 trouncing, trouncing of the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte, Dennis Smith Jr.'s home state. Uh, if you can't tell by my voice, Isaac was sick for I think a month, and now I think I've gotten it from him through osmosis of podcasting together for so often. So my voice is a little out of it tonight, but uh, but Doyle's going to be carrying me through this episode. So. Uh, Doyle, let's start right away. What do you think went well for the Mavericks tonight besides just hitting a whole bunch of threes to start the game? Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Pretty much everything they did went well. Like, they normally get to the line a little bit more than they did tonight, but they really didn't need to. I mean, they hit 18 of 45 threes, good for 40%. That's, That's the story of the game, like you said. I mean, this one was over in the first quarter. I put... They put up 42 points, and it was game over. And you know, if there's one knock, it's Harrison Barnes finally didn't play exceptionally well. Like he has, he's been on a tear recently. But that said, he still played just fine. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's it's good to see you know Harrison not play well on the team actually you know do super awesome. It shows that you know they don't need to rely on him and that they have other options now, which is. Man, that's that's quite a quite a quite a thing that the Mavs have options now that yeah, they, what's that like? Yeah, <laughs> that they can turn to. Also, another big thing in this game, uh, the rebounding battle. Uh, the Mavericks had fifty-seven rebounds in this game. Good yeah. lord! Yeah, and uh, it looks like twenty-three of those went to DeAndre and Luca. And let's see, Finney Smith, low key, seven boards off the bench. So, well, most of those are picking up the uh, solid measuring Maxi Dwight Powell bricks. <laughs> Oh yeah, in the fourth I mean, quarter. Hey, get your numbers where you can, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so Luca and DeAndre, though, both being added to the starting lineup has helped the rebounding for the Mavericks so much. DeAndre specifically, but Luca has kind of flown under the radar as a guy that's helped the Mavericks on the boards because that was Harrison Barnes' spot last year, and he, you know, <laughs> we have it's been well documented on Mavs Moneyball that that Harrison Barnes does not rebound the ball pretty much at all. No, yeah, he doesn't rebound and he doesn't pass the ball. That's he is there to score this year, and uh, that's about it. And just kind of bully his way to the rim if he can. Yeah, rebounding not his thing anymore. And last year, he, I thought he was doing pretty well. He was getting what five, six a game. That was what the team needed. But with DeAndre there, like kind of still gobbling up as many as he can, and then uh, Luca's ability to chip in anywhere from like four to six on average a night. I think that's pretty great for this team to have two solid rebounders in the starting lineup because when was the last time that was a thing, you know? Gosh. Uh, Tyson and Dirk, maybe? 
even even then was 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 Dirk that good of a rebounder then when t- those two separate years Tyson was on the team? Uh, Second I mean, year he was. I'd have really. to pull up those numbers. Um. So, but the one thing that I've noticed about Luca, and I'm I'm working on uh, a ten things video, and one of them is this we this weird DeAndre outlet passes where it doesn't seem like he wants to pass to Luca, and he just kind of like waves him off or looks him off and passes to somebody else. And there was mm-hmm. the really blatant one the other night when he passes to Maxi Kleba's back, and so I'm oh, break, yeah. I'm, break, I'm I've been watching all of DeAndre's defensive rebounds. And Luca is always right there. He's like always right there next to next to DeAndre when there's defense rebound. He's he's he really does try and get rebounds, and he goes and he attacks the glass every single time. It's just it's just part of his DNA to grab the ball and to run with it and to get a rebound. And, and as soon as he does get a rebound, he just gets up and goes. He did that a couple times tonight, uh, and that's been true for the whole start of the season. So that that's something he came in with. You know, Luca grabbing rebounds like that. So he's just—that's just part of him—is—is uh, is grabbing boards, and it's—it's it's helped this team a lot, I think, especially in games like tonight. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he kind of plays an all-around game. He's not just like focused on one aspect. He's, you know, he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife out there. He'll give you a little bit of everything uh, when you need it. So it's nice to see him put together, <clears throat> just or continue to put together just a, such a strong season. And then, you know, these little wrinkles that. You know, maybe the average person just doesn't know that he can do. Everyone sees the scoring, the step back threes on like SportsCenter and stuff like that. But the rebounding, the passing, the steals, you know, I don't even think he had a turnover tonight, maybe one. <clears throat> but yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'll raise you to two. He had two turnovers tonight. Yeah, you're right. Wow. <laughs> huge, huge. But, but yeah, and his turnovers have, have improved over the, you know, the last stretch of games here. And he's, man. He's uh, he's incredible, man. We we talk about him so much in this podcast, and for the first time ever, I think the other night, somebody tweeted and said that I did not talk about Luca enough on this podcast, and so shout out to you <laughs> for, for, for saying that because how many times have we been accused of talking about Luca or being on Luca's nuts or all the things that people say online? <laughs> it's all uh, you guys must get it more. You have a you have a podcast. I'm just a little red circle bouncing around Twitter. <laughs> Well, we like the little red circle, and uh, <laughs> so so Luca and DeAndre's rebounding really helped. The three point shooting really helped. Uh, Mavericks also had thirty one assists tonight. It's just every single three that they were putting up was just these catch and shoot threes, uh, especially early. And we can't you know we can't mention that enough without uh, talking about Dennis Smith Jr. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Dennis Smith Jr. because I thought he had a great game. All right, Doyle. So Dennis Smith Jr. starts the game, and he's he scores you know very early two threes, has a couple driving kick assists for th- other threes, and he's just all over the place. I think in the first quarter he had ten points and three assists within the first five minutes or something like that. He ends the game eighteen points, seven assists, three steals, only two turnovers. Uh, he's only plus five for the game, which is kind of interesting. But uh, he had a great game tonight, and uh, and Kemba Walker just had nothing going, so he won the battle on that end. Uh, what have you th- thought about Dennis with Jr. since coming back from the injury and tonight? I mean, I've excuse me, I've liked Dennis in the way he's kind of buckled down and on defense of late. Like it's nice to see his scoring and just his assist numbers come around uh, of late since returning from the wrist injury. But he's really, really putting an emphasis on the defensive end of the ball. Like 
I know Kimba's kind of been in a little bit of a slump because I've been following him this year. He's not he's not putting up the numbers he was earlier this season. But being able to lock down like a dynamic score like that tonight is really impressive. And Dennis is just doing this night in, night out. The other night when he got matched up with Paul George against uh, what was almost the final play of the game and George got that shot off, Dennis was right in his face, both hands in the air, didn't foul him, contested the shot. Got George out of his comfort zone. George misses. Mavericks win. A tough one against OKC at home before they go on the road. And that, that's that been his calling card. Like, you know, in the locker room, he sits next to Dorian. And I'm sure Isaac's talked about DeSmithway with you on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those guys just have this pit bull mentality. I mean, Dorian has a picture of a pit bull in his locker room that – Last time I was in the locker, they put up on the big wall because they said they needed that mentality out of everyone. And Dennis has obviously taken that to heart as just as well as Dorian has because he's getting after it. And, you know, honestly, like if even if he wasn't like being the as efficient as he was tonight, if he continued that kind of play, I think that there's absolutely a role for him on this team going forward. But. It's just now it's just an added bonus because he seems to have come around. That wrist seems to be fine. And he's he's setting up his teammates and he's not making, you know, stupid errors. So he's doing everything that the team needs him to do right now. And it's really impressive. Yeah, it's been great. And you just wonder, I'm pretty sure I've made this point before, but you just wonder how how much Dennis Smith Jr. has been asked to play defense in his life. (laughs) You know, we talk about the AAU culture. And even Mark Cuban had that whole, you know, dumb kind of comment about how we wish that, you know, players in America would grow up the same way they did in Slovenia, where they went to these academies and, you know, learned how to play basketball and not just make mixtapes and and dunk and stuff like that. And Dennis Smith Jr. is kind of the poster child for, you know, pun intended for, you know, these dunks and mixtapes. And literally, if you go to Dennis Smith Jr.'s Twitter account right now and click on the link that everybody can put like a little website or a link under their Twitter profile. His is a mixtape from 2015 of him doing you know, like dunks and, and uh, you know, stuff from his AAU days and high school and things like that. So he's kind of been, been that and he's never really been asked to focus on the defensive end. I don't think I didn't see it a lot at NC state in the amount of time that I watched him there. And last year, you know, it wasn't, really asked of him either and so now he's been asked to do it and he's starting to, to step up and he does have that mentality i've always i i felt like he's had this that kind of like you mentioned the pitbull picture in dorian finney smith's locker he's had that mentality and he's had it on offense but we just haven't seen it on as far you know he's had it on offense as far as attacking and attacking and attacking he just hasn't had the same mentality on defense and now i feel like he's taking that mentality to the defensive end and it's just really paying off and it's paying off for him now and in the future, because the more he plays like this, the more he plays hitting these catch and shoot threes and playing this, you know, pit bull style defense, the more untradeable he becomes. <laughs> a lot of people keep talking about, you know, trading Dennis with Jr. We've talked about it on this podcast. A lot of people have suggested it, uh, but I don't. I don't think they can trade him if he's going to become this. Do you? No, and I mean, I understand. You know. I trust the the people who are reporting that you know the Mavs are kicking the tires on maybe figuring out what his trade value might be, and I think that it, it, at this point I feel like that's all that was. I mean, right. just seeing what he was worth. But I'll, I want to say one thing on behalf of mixtapes. 
when I was uh, in college watching the And One Mixtape Tour on ESPN2, that was some of the best television I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> love Spida. Love The Professor. <laughs> that was great television. There's some. There's a place in America for the mixtapes, <laughs> and that's there's a reason why they're so popular. But yeah, Dennis Dennis is playing great. I think he's actually like looked more methodical in terms of his probing on offense and just he's playing like within himself like prodding offensively like opposing defenses looking to attack well yeah and, that play against yeah. OKC right before that that defensively you just mentioned was a great example of that where he is yeah. he drives in he kind of loses his dribble and then he re- resets and goes back out to the, to the wing and kind of you know adjusts again it's like the exact same thing you're talking about yeah, yeah, that's 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 one of the plays I was thinking of. Like, and I think that's good to see. Like in the moment when I'm seeing it, I'm like, okay, what are you doing? But like, the more I see him doing this, the better I feel about watching him do it because he seems more comfortable. He seems more in control of what he's going to do. He's not going to play like recklessly. It's kind of like not on the same page, but a little bit like it's out of the book of JJ Barea when he gets down to the paint, just kind of like tries to collapse defenses to set up teammates. But Dennis, instead of looking to set up teammates, a lot of the time is looking to attack for himself, which I think is what he needs to do. Cause that's other than like a catch and shoot three, which he's pretty good at this year, him attacking the rim is his best asset in terms of scoring. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's the, the, the elite skill that we think that he can, you know, develop and, and become. If you want, you know, an overqualified role player or a star player, they have to have at least one at least elite skill, and uh, and that would be the one for Dennis for sure. Yeah. Um, what did you think about tonight? The the Mavericks. The, okay, so they had a full healthy roster for the first time this season. There was not one inactive player that was due to injury. Uh, Ryan Brokoff, R.I.P., was inactive because just the Mavericks had a full roster. They, they just couldn't even roster him tonight, but. Maxi Kleba doesn't get any run until the fourth quarter. He has been one of the most the Mavs' most effective player in my ten things coming up. I have uh, this crazy stat that I'm actually just going to spoil right now on the podcast. Uh, when Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba play together, they have a fifteen a plus fifteen net rating in 323 minutes. With Dwight Powell on the floor and Maxi off the floor, <laughs> Dwight Powell's net rating goes down to negative seventeen point five. Uh, well, that only confirms my terrible tweets. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy how different and how effective Dwight Powell, less effective or ineffective Dwight, Dwight Powell becomes when Maxie's not on the floor. And the stats definitely back that up, like you just said. Um, what do you think about the Mavs not playing Maxie until the fourth quarter, until you know the very end, pretty much there? And that was essentially garbage time at that point. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised. He it looks like he ended up playing about twelve minutes, uh, but yeah, I mean, everything was going right for them. They didn't need his defensive presence out there. They could let Dirk. Get, you know, I mean, Dirk didn't get a whole lot of run, but I think think they're trying to still figure out where they bring in Maxi and where they bring in Dirk. And well, tonight they just didn't need Maxi. They they had a comfortable lead the entire game, so he didn't need to be out there. You know, shutting down an opponent's big guys because, well, there were no big guys doing anything for the Hornets. Yeah, and we have to mention that that uh, Cody Zeller was out of this game, so their backup center, Willie Hernan, or I'm sorry, Billy Hernan Gomez. You don't pronounce the W, by the way. It's 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 a B. 
It's a it's really, a, yeah, it's a very weird thing that I, I learned last Hornets game. I watched, um, oh. yeah, Billy Hernan Gomez had to start and he just got, I mean, he got manhandled by Deandre in, in the yeah. post for pretty much every rebound. And, uh, and maybe it was just a matchup thing. We, we laughed at Carlisle a lot last year, every time that Nerlens didn't play or Nerlens didn't start, he kept saying it was matchups, matchups. And that's probably still a thing he thinks about with rotations and trying to figure out this rotation. So maybe they just didn't need Maxi, like you said. And, um, but yeah, it's just, it's weird to see a player go from starting a couple games, you know, to be like your spot starter, to be not playing until garbage time. It's, it's very weird to see a player do that. And Carlisle's just been so strict in his rotations. It's weird to see a guy fall out like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised too. I feel like he'll get another chance to get back in there, especially like given injuries. But I will say I wasn't completely right saying that no, none of the bigs were doing anything for the Hornets because Bismack Biombo <laughs> made the most of his time in, in garbage minutes tonight. He was all over the place. He was. He was definitely all over the place. And there's a moment I should have gifted, but there's a moment where he got a loose ball, fell on top of it, and just like completely let it go, <laughs> and, it, and it flew out. It was just one of the funniest things. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Maxi not playing. I thought. I just thought it was weird. I thought that. Man, Maxi has been one of the most effective bench players. There's a lot of people right now on Twitter calling for Maxi to become a starter, uh, for West to go to the bench. They love that lineup of you know DeAndre, Maxi, Harrison Barnes, Luca, and Dennis that started when West was injured, and they just really wanted to see that lineup play a little bit more and play out a little more, and to see him just go completely to the bench and only exclusively play in the fourth quarter. Uh, all twelve of his minutes came in the fourth quarter, and. Uh, and to see that was just kind of weird. Jalen Brunson also in the same in the same vein. He's been out uh, for the last couple of games, you know, with uh, uh, no injury or anything like that, just out of the rotation. And he played all twelve of his minutes in the fourth quarter. It's just it's interesting to see two effective guys like that, and it just shows that the depth of this Mavericks team uh, that they can you know not play those guys and still come away with a huge victory like this. The, the Hornets also just had a, a terrible game. <laughs> we should also mention that they shot 35% yeah. from the field, 18% from three. They shot 32 threes, only hit six of them. Uh, they had only 14 turnovers. They just, they fouled a ton. It felt like they had 20 fouls in the game. A lot of them were in that third quarter. Um, I had a, <laughs> a big Hornets account get very upset with me. I was making a joke to them. Uh, and they said that, you know, there's way too many fouls. The refs were killing them. And I said that, that Luca got, gets fouled on every single time he touches the ball. So the refs aren't doing enough and they didn't catch a sarcasm and got, got very upset, um, <laughs> that I would say something like that. So they're very testy over there. They were very sensitive about the refs making calls. What did you think the refs made too many calls towards the Mavericks tonight as, as an unbiased reporter? Uh, not really. I mean, that's not a, that's. That's not something I like really give too much credence to uh, like on a game in game out basis. It this it is what it is. Fouls are going to happen. Some games I've watched this year, yeah, I feel like it's been a bit much. Uh and that can favor either team. But for the most part, I mean, it, I think it's called pretty fairly. So I I don't really like get into the whole like too many fouls, you know, hoopla just on any given night. Um but yeah, it is what it is. That's all. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I like as Carlisle's want to say, I don't want to get fined twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> if we cause anyone to get fined twenty five thousand dollars in this podcast, we're doing something wrong, or we're doing something, <laughs> or we're doing something right. I guess. Would, yeah, true. Be better way to put that. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, let's talk about the future of the Mavericks and the next couple road games coming up. 
All right, Doyle. So the Mavericks, they finally shake this monkey off their back, not being able to win, you know, road games. And they they get one on the road. It is against an Eastern Conference team, a team that is 500, a team that uh, the Mavericks match up fairly well against. What do you think about the Mavs, these road woes that they've had? And the next couple of games are back-to-back, both on the road against the, the Celtics and the Sixers. What are you looking for, or how are you feeling about the Mavericks on the road going forward? I mean, I'm still not convinced this team can win on the road. One win to start the new year doesn't really mean a lot. Uh, in the it's Hornets, facts. that's or, one. It's one win. They can yeah. win on the road. It is. It is possible. Yeah, they've won three games this year on the road. They've played some close ones. They've lost some tough ones, uh, but they just honestly haven't shown that they can put forth a consistent effort on the road just to really close out games. I mean, it's just. Small lapses here, sometimes giant defensive lapses in the paint elsewhere. Uh, you know, it. I this is a tough road trip, and I think it's going to tell us a lot about the makeup of this team going forward. Are we going to see the same thing that we saw at the end of 2018, or are they really ready to turn the page? They're not playing anyone easy. I mean, the Hornets, even though they got blown out, aren't necessarily an easy team to beat. They're okay. Uh, The Celtics are one of the top teams in the East. Like, so are the Sixers. These are good teams. Like, it's not going to be an easy task. And then once they're done with this road trip, they come back to Dallas uh, to play the Lakers. And LeBron James, I don't know his health status as of right now, but he may be back for that game. That's another tough one. Like, it... The schedule is not getting easier for the Mavericks right now. Yeah, LeBron is practicing, but he's not fully taking shots yet. So he is, uh, I don't know. I don't know how he's practicing and doing that, but <laughs> that's the status. He he could be back. That That's very possible. Uh, yeah, and this, this schedule just doesn't let up. And it doesn't really let up the whole season. <laughs> I mean, you only get, you know, two games against each Eastern Conference team, and there's only a, few, you know, a handful of those that are actually very easy. Uh, and they're all in the, the lottery right now. They're all in the Zion race, which uh, you wanted the Mavericks to be part of. Well, they they definitely were <laughs> part of it during the first nine games of the season, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's it's funny to see how the Mavericks season has gone up and down. Just, like, literally up and down. They, they started down, then they went and they had this great win streak and won a ton of games in a row. And then had another losing streak of seven, you know, seven-ish games out of a certain number, and uh, it's weird to see the Mavericks' season go up and down like this. Um, what have you thought about Dirk so far? He, tonight he played, you know, 6 minutes, 40 seconds, got the standing ovation from the crowd, got them chanting, we want Dirk in Charlotte, uh, hit a couple threes. It's uh, he's, he's only playing, you know, very, very spot minutes. A lot of people speculated. We even talked about on this podcast how many minutes would we see Dirk play. And uh, I think last year he played something like, like 20-something a game. And uh, it's gone way down from that, obviously. He's still trying to get back. But he's not. I don't even think he's going to sniff 20, maybe in one game this season. I don't, it just doesn't even seem like he's going to hit that at all. La- yeah, last season, 24 minutes a game. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think he's going to get that once this year. What do you think? Well, it's, it's clear that he's still working his way back from that ankle uh, surgery and setback. So... I mean, I, I think they're doing it the right way. They're just getting him in there for anywhere from 6 to about 12 minutes a game. That's all you can really ask for for him. He's still contributing. Like, he hit, what, two threes tonight, got six points, got two rebounds. That's, hey, 
that's great for a guy who only played six minutes, you know? Like, so I think they'll slowly work him back in. Will he hit that that 20-minute mark this year? I don't know. Maybe later on in the season. But, you know, they're still trying to figure out his role on the team, especially, like, as we talked about Kleber earlier and how, how he fits in. And, you know, I think Carlisle would like to get Dirk more minutes eventually. Uh, Carlisle is a proud guy and he respects Dirk and his contributions to the organization and what he's done in the league. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I know Carlisle said that Dirk would always start as long as he was coaching, but that just isn't the case anymore. Not with Doncic in the mix and Jordan here, but yeah. So I can only imagine that they'll work Dirk into some kind of nice role Maybe get him, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a game here in about a, a month or so. I would I would expect him to do that. And, you know, if he can start getting, you know, seven, eight points a game, I think that's a fine contribution from a guy who's 40 years old and, you know, moves like a mummy. <laughs> yeah, it's like we've been saying the whole season. Anything he can give is, you know, extra. It's the, the frosting, the cherry on top, however you want to put it. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting. Yeah, that, that whole idea of Carlisle saying that, as long as I'm the coach, he will be a starter <laughs> to go from that to this. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. And uh, it's kind of come naturally because of the injury. They've had that kind of excuse, uh, but he sure. was very, very fervent on that idea. Um, last year. Yeah. Last year. I think he said that. Yeah, you? it was last year. That's wild. Oh, how the, Oh, how the tables have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, how the hot dogs have flown. <laughs> oh man. Were you there during that hot dog game? I, I was in the I was in there when he came in and got that. So yeah, I saw him walk out with it. That's the stuff of legend, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we explained that that whole Netherlands thing a couple pods ago because we we were like, man, we got a whole new audience. I'm not sure everybody know, understands <laughs> that whole Netherlands story, but they do now. So it, it was one of the crazier things I've seen in person. If you had to get, if you had to guess which Maverick this season would would pull off something like that. Uh, would it be solid measure? Or would it be someone else? Oh man, <laughs> that you know, I'm a wild card on this, and I'm going to say Devin Harris. Ooh, he could get away with it. Exactly. He, that's why he could totally get away with it. But I don't know if don't Devin Harris so. eats that way though. Yeah, but it's got to be Devin. They traded him last year. He came back. He, he he's untouchable. What if Devin Harris gets traded again? That should be because he's a man. It, that that'd be wild. I don't think they'd do that to him again. <laughs> Four times the guy get traded from because <laughs> they just bring him right back. Like I know how that ends. Yeah, yeah, we've seen it happen all too many times before. So uh, <laughs> Doyle, they can find you at the Kobe Beef. Any worth anything else you want to plug on the podcast? Uh, I put most of what I write uh, there. You can. Find me tweeting asinine stuff pretty regularly and occasionally some insightful things. Uh, so, yeah, just follow me there. Follow me at the Kobe Beef. Guys, we appreciate you listening to Locked on Mavs. We'll be back in the next couple days with, with some more guests I'm excited about. And uh, Isaac will be back on the Monday show. So, guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.